0: Great beaches out there that can be visited and great parks that you've got to get out and check out. In fact, we, um, at the end of last year, we took the staff for a a staff uh, kind of day out to Cornwall Park. But on the other side of the road, I had no idea. There's just like another huge park there. We had a great time and um, played some cricket and or bat down or whatever the Salmon version of bat down is. Anyway, it was fantastic. Great to see everyone here today. Really nice to have you guys back in the room. And it's been a bit of a crazy time, right? So uh, it really is a privilege that we get to be able to spend some time together today. So uh, let me just pray, and uh, I really pray that God will speak to each one of us today. Father, we love you so much, God. And Jesus, we thank you for your church, God. We thank you that uh, in uncertain times, Lord, you're still building your church, God. Your kingdom is still going forward. God, we're a part of that. Father, I pray for each one of us here today that we will have ears to hear, Lord, what you Holy Ghost might be saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start by saying thank you so much for your grace. Like I know, this isn't quite church how we anticipated it would look, uh, and things aren't quite as perfect, and we don't have a full worship team, because everything's all um, a little bit, uh, you know, kind of strung out, and we're having to make things happen. But we're doing our very best, and uh, everyone's been so kind. So thank you guys for your patience as we go through this slightly weird season. But uh, man, when's it going to end, right? When's COVID finally going to, when are we going to go back to some normality? It was COVID, then there was Delta, and now there's Omicron, and now you read the papers and there's supposedly all these other random subspecies of virus out there. And it just, it just never goes away, right? It's kind of crazy. And we find ourselves thinking about it, worrying about it, and stressing about it. Now we're meant to be back at work. And how's that going? I was talking to someone just a couple of weeks ago, and they were sharing how when they'd finally gone back to the office, you know, when we went back to Orange and most people went back to the office, uh, she said to me that uh, everyone in the office had forgotten how to do small talk. And so they kind of get back and it's kind of like, hi. And it was just so awkward and so weird and no one knew what to do. But that's kind of what happens, right? Five months been stuck at home and doing that whole thing, we kind of get into habits and routines that are not what, made life work before and may or may not be helpful now. Like you've heard in the papers about the big resignation, like people around the world and in New Zealand are resigning from their jobs in huge numbers. And I'm sure some of that is healthy, right? Some of that is like, actually, I've rethought about my life. I know what I want. It's not this. I want to change direction. That's awesome. But for some people, what it is, is they've got used to being at home. They've got used to this new routine, this new habit and now they're having to go back, which is probably what they need do. but now there's this internal emotional unease. And in that space, they're going, oh, I'm not sure if I can cope with this anymore. Instead of actually, maybe we just need to push pause, allow ourselves a little bit of time to rethink what is it that we want to do. And if we do want to get back to some normality, then we are going to have to once again change some of our habits and routines and those sorts of things, because the things that we had as habits and routines previously actually were probably pretty good. But it's left many of us in quite a distressed place. Many people right now are strangely stuck and not quite sure how to go forward. And it's a little bit challenging. Uh, When we find ourselves stuck, uh, we need to refresh. And that's the name of the series that we've got for the next three weeks, Refresh. You know, I'm not sure if you remember, if you've watched any of the online church, but eventually someone will throw up on the chat, oh, it's stuck, it's not working, what do I do? I I, I don't know what to do. And one of the tech team will come up and go, you need to refresh your browser. You know, and then you push refresh again, and then it all kind of resets, oh, and we're back on and we're in. Sometimes I think we need that in life. We need to actually refresh and reset everything and remember what we were all about at the start, and get back on track. I think that um, when we look at the word refresh, it's quite a helpful word, right? Because what it means is it means to return to a place of being fresh. And what's intriguing is that the word refresh appears in scripture multiple times. Now that's really helpful for us because what that tells us is actually God's intent for us is that we live from a place of fresh not from a place of stale, not from a place of stuck, not from a place of bored. God wants us to live from a place of fresh as much as we can. And we read in Acts chapter 3 uh, that the Apostle Peter says, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will have times of refreshing. Like you'll, you'll have these times when you'll be refreshed again and you'll live out of that for a season and then the Holy Spirit will refresh you again. And I think it's a beautiful picture, right, of how God wants us to live our lives. And if we're feeling stuck, if we're feeling stale, if we're feeling fearful, then that's a great reminder that maybe we're not quite in the place that the Lord would have us in. And there's been so much of these other emotional things going on, right? Fear. I mean, fear out there is just, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's huge. And it's making people do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. I was, in fact, I wasn't, sorry, my kids were uh, in line uh, to get into countdown one day And someone tried to to get in without a mask and the security guy stopped them. And before you know it, there was a big physical altercation which produces a lot of fear in people. People were leaving and walking away and people didn't know how to cope with things. I think that there's a lot of disappointment out there. There's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. And it it reminds me of when the people of Israel came out of, of Egypt and found themselves in this weird place, right, like they've been released from slavery, Gods let them out with a mighty hand they've gone through the red Sea, Moses is leading them it's all good, so there's this big wow, this is incredible, but then the the land of milk and honey, the promised land we're not there yet it's still out in front of us somewhere we 're still aiming for that, but we' we're, we're kind of stuck in this weird place. We wander around the desert. this is terrible. what are we going what are we doing here? This is not what I thought was going to happen. This doesn't look like how I thought it was going to look. I bet they went through a lot of anger, disappointment, stuckness. And, and I think that there's a lot of correlations. I think that a lot of us feel like life's just been put on pause. I mean, I, I think back to when whole COVID thing first happened, right? Oh, it was July or August two years ago or something. And I remember someone saying to me, well, Mike, how long do you think this is going to take? And I, you know, with all of my incredible prophetic gifting and just looking ahead, I said, "Ah, it's going to be sorted by Christmas. <laughs> how wrong was I? And, and, and there's this still weird thing, right? Like that we still feel like we're in this strange pause space. This isn't how we're meant to live. This isn't how we want to live. But we're not kind of back to normality yet. It's, it's a strange place. And I think Israel found themselves in a strange place. What we're going to do is we're going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 15, and we're going to unpack that a little bit as we go. Exodus 15. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. And for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Now, that's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. I mean, at least in Egypt they were down by the Nile. It's not a clean river, but at least it's fresh water. But now there's, there's nothing. They're out there. This is now feeling, this isn't what we thought. You know, God did these miracles, and now we're, we're like out of water. They're just surviving on what little water they've carried with them. This is now full on. A bunch of things happen, and then in verse 27, it says, And then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they, we understand they were date palm trees. And they camped there near the water. In that one event, everything turned around for these people. Now, this is a really interesting way, right? because Elam churches are named after this famous oasis in the desert. Uh, and about 1904, there was a powerful revival in Wales. Actually, there was a series of revivals when people began praying for their churches and their pastors, and, and the Holy Spirit was poured out in unbelievable ways in Wales. And it Literally woke the church up, It woke the church up to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. In a very short period of time, over a hundred thousand people got saved, and churches were planted in places where there'd been no churches, because now there's all these people who want to worship God, and there 's nowhere in my town. So churches got planted all throughout Wales and the United Kingdom. Now this pouring out of the Holy Spirit soon affected the whole world because people heard that something crazy was going on in Wales. So they would travel to Wales, and then they would get filled with the Spirit, and then they'd go back to their churches, back to their cities, back to their nations, and God began to pour out His Spirit right across the world. In about 1915, so kind of 10 years later, the Elam Pentecostal Church was founded in the UK by this guy called George Jeffries. Now, he was a Welshman. He was an outstanding evangelist and church planter. And he quickly started planting these churches across the UK and calling them Elam Pentecostal churches. Well, a few years later in 1922, uh, a guy called Smith Wigglesworth, who was a plumber, he'd gotten saved in these revivals. And he turned, it turned out had this incredible healing gift on his life. And he was doing amazing things. And so someone from New Zealand invited him to come over to New Zealand and do a series of meetings. Now, a lot of those meetings were in Wellington. The uh, church that is now the Elam Church of Wellington was planted as a result of, it kind of existed, but it exploded as a result of that, which later became Wellington Elam. But on the front page of many of the major newspapers in New Zealand were stories of the incredible healings that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit had produced here in New Zealand. Fast forward another few years, and uh, a a delegation of Pentecostal churches from New Zealand uh, communicated with the UK, communicated with Elam back there, started by George Jeffries, communicated with AOG and Apostolic, and invited them over here. And so the Pentecostal church in New Zealand was birthed and born, and Elam was a part of that here. Elam churches grew to be around about 40 Elam churches in New Zealand. We have from Whangarei all the way down to uh, Invercargill. Uh, The Elam Pentecostal Church in the UK has about 550 churches, and there are over 9,000 Elam or Elam-affiliated churches in over 56 countries around the world, touching somewhere around 320,000 people every single Sunday with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Quite remarkable. And here's the thing. It all started at a place called Elam, which was a place of refreshing for the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt and found themselves stuck in a dry, difficult place. The Holy Spirit led them and refreshed them and prepared them for the journey that was ahead of them. We're going to take a moment. We're going to dive into that scripture in Exodus 15 now just a little bit because there's some really interesting things that we can notice when we read that scripture. The first one is this, is that it says in verse 27, then they came to Elam. And then is such an interesting word, right? Then is a word that tells us that something is going to change. It's a, tipping point word. It's a turnaround word. It's a word that tells us that something is going to shift between the past and the future, and it's going to happen in the present. Then they came to Elam. Then things turned around for them. Then they got their strength back. Then they found their feet again. Then they were fresh and had new confidence. Then they were able to go on with their journey. And you know, Elam has always been associated with moments of turnaround and breakthrough. We've always believed that there's been this kind of Holy Spirit thing on Elam around breakthrough. That's why we pray for people. That's why we pray for people to be healed. That's why we pray for people's financial situations to turn around because God is a God of miracles. And that refreshing thing that happened when these people came to Elam is the same that happens today. Here's the second thing that we notice from this, is that then they came to Elam. Now, Elam is an interesting word. In the Hebrew, the word is aiel, and it's often translated as trees or palms because Elam was an oasis. But Strong's Concordance says that the word aiel more accurately means strength. It's the strength that that oasis afforded and provided to these people that really is the heart of that word. It's often translated either trees because of the strength that trees bring. or interestingly, in the Old Testament, Testament whenever you see the word ram, the word ram is actually aiel, elam. It's about the strength that a ram provides to the flock over which it oversees. A tree's strength enables shade and fruit and shelter. A ram's strength provides protection and multiplication. Now, this helps us to get a broader understanding, right, of what Elam meant to these people who found themselves there. They found a place of strength that provides shade and food and shelter and protection. It refreshed them precisely because it was a place of strength. Listen to this. In a dry and distressing land, or can I say, in a dry and distressing life, Elam is a place of refreshing and here's the third thought. It says that they camped there, near the water. Now, look, us Kiwis, eh, by and large, Kiwis are a nation of campers. We love camping. Man, I grew up, we always did camping holidays. My parents weren't very, uh, weren't very wealthy. And so, you know, it was a cheap option. We had this horrible old canvas tent that always leaked when it rained and we went and camped. But, but it's what we do. We go camping. In summer's the time of camping and very often we have a favorite lake we go to or a favorite beach we go to or a favorite camping ground or a river. Man, camping is once the tent is set up. I tell you, setting tents up, it's just of the devil. I think I've nearly lost my salvation more times than I can count trying to put a tent up. But once a tent is up and we're camping, it is awesome, right? You get away from the grind. You get away from the stress of work and and those sorts of things. And what happens, it refreshes you. That's what camping does. When you get away and you camp in a favorite place, ideally near water, it refreshes you. Israel camped there at Elam. It was like, okay, we're stopping now. We're going to stay here for a while. In fact, we're going to stay here until we get refreshed. And that's what... Elam churches believe they are for people. They're a place where people can stop and find the refreshing that they need to get back out there and engage in life in a meaningful way. Pastor Luke always says that Elam is a spiritual filling station. It's like when you get low, you go to the gas station, fill up your car. When you get low, you come in here and you get refreshed again. You get full again so that you can go back out. So now I want to dive just a little bit deeper again. You see, there are three things that Israel found at Elam, this place of refreshing. Shade and water and food. And these, I think, are important and powerful pictures for us today. Shade. Now, shade or covering, but particularly the idea of shade. Shade speaks of leadership that you can rest under. There's a whole bunch of teaching out there about covering. I'm not so convinced that you necessarily have to be under leadership or you're not going to have the blessing of God. I don't think that's how it works. There, there is no mediator between man and God. But I do think that healthy leadership is something that can provide a place of of a little bit of shade, a little bit of rest. I grew up in a home, and my parents loved God, love God with all their hearts. But somewhere along the way, they got hurt by church. You know, it happens. And as a result, they never went to church. I was raised in a home where, where you, know, you love God, but boy, you keep away from church. You don't go to that place. And, you know, it wasn't unusual for me uh, growing up to have, you know, to turn up one day at one weekend and some random guy's getting baptized in our bathtub or some person is getting delivered of a demon in the lounge. So we've got to leave the doors closed and not go in there. And like this, you know, like there was some real, real Holy Ghost stuff going on in my family. But when it came to church, we didn't go there. How ironic that I ended up as a pastor of a church. But here's what happened, right? So I lived my life that way and then I got saved and then I came to Elam. And I came into Elam with a fair amount of cynicism and distrust. But what happened was I found leaders, to my surprise, who were not at all like I've been led to believe leaders were. I found leaders who were humble, who gave glory to God, leaders who weren't hung up on title and position, and leaders who really wanted us in the congregation to get to know Jesus personally, to understand how He would put us together and to step into our own ministries to serve and help people and make a difference in their lives. Now, our leaders weren't perfect, but I quickly found that I could trust my leaders. When I needed advice, I would go to my leaders. When I was wondering if Liz was someone I should kind of pursue, I went to our associate pastor and said, Oh, that's what I'm thinking. I I don't want to, I made mistakes with relationships in the past. What do you think? He gave me the thumbs up. Here we are, 27 years later, still going strong. When When I wanted to learn to prophesy, I went to my leaders who encouraged me and helped me to interpret what I felt God was saying. When things went on that I just couldn't get my head around, I went to my leaders. I remember sitting with Pastor Bob once in a concrete. Uh, whitewashed um, kind of hall uh, on a hill in Blantai in Malawi in Africa and I was a bit distressed we'd had this crazy meeting where crazy Holy Ghost stuff had gone on that I just couldn't get my head around and I sat next to Bob after the meeting and he patiently sat there with me and explained the things of the Holy Spirit to me in ways that I could understand and slowly the lights came on for me. It was so refreshing to be able to trust my leaders. Elam is a place of refreshing. So the first thing is shade. The second thing that Oasis provided the people of Israel was water. Now in scripture, water often speaks of the Holy Spirit. Speaks of the the action of the Holy Spirit that quenches something in our soul. And you know, Elam is a place of the Spirit. We believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that that's what we should be looking to cultivate. That's what differentiates one person from another is the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, the anointings that God puts on each of our lives, each different that enables us to be an impact in people's lives in a spiritual way. I remember when I was about, uh, I must have been saved maybe three months or four months, not very long. I'm 22 years old, it's a, it's a Sunday morning, I'm just standing in, in church, halfway through the worship, we're a couple of, couple of songs in, and I'm kind of sitting back, probably about where Sam is there, about four or five rows back, eyes closed, arms raised, probably singing embarrassingly loud. And, uh, and then suddenly, just randomly in the middle of the song, I suddenly had this realization, like I, this sudden realization that, that the whole in my soul, that kind of the kind of aching loneliness that had always been with me, that I had carried for years, was suddenly completely full. was filled. It was gone. The gap on the inside of me that the hole that I'd lived with for so long and tried to fill with alcohol and relationships and other things, it was completely gone. It was like, it was like the Holy Spirit had just quenched something deep inside of me, and I remember standing there with my eyes closed, just going, "Oh my gosh!" Like I have been looking for this my whole life. I remember standing there thinking, "I ain't leaving." I'm, like I'm serious, I'm not leaving. I'm standing here. People are gonna have to bring me food. I get to bring a port-a-loo, and I am not leaving. I have been looking for this my whole life. Can't tell you how refreshing. That moment was when I realized how it was God that filled that in me. It was the Holy Spirit that refreshed me, renewed me, reset me. Elam is a place of refreshing. And finally, food. You know, history tells us that the, the palm trees that are there at, at the oasis, which is still there today, are date palms. And dates, of course, is such a rich, sustaining food with so many nutrients and vitamins in it. Now, this speaks of the Word of God, right, which feeds our mind and feeds our heart. I was so lucky over many years to sit under under Pastor Bob's teaching. Uh, You know, I I sat under Bob's teaching for probably 15 years. I think Sunday in and Sunday out. It shaped my theology. Uh, It taught me to have faith. Uh, his and Maggie's stories of, of the application of the word in real life that saw God's miraculous power, which blew my mind. And then on occasion, having the opportunity to travel overseas with Bob and, and see the power of God happening on mission trips, and not just on mission trips, on Sunday, Sundays as well, seeing miracles happen, it was absolutely amazing. But then what happened was, as I got a little bit older in the faith, where this happens sometimes, I began to find Bob's sermons a bit boring. Like, I'd heard it, Bob. I've heard this before. I know you're going to bring me three points. I just began to get a little bit boring. But his teaching had built in me such a strong relationship with God that I was able to hear God's voice telling me off for my prideful, immature attitude. I, I I remember this particular Sunday, it was another sermon. I'm sitting there, and I literally, in my head, I said this to myself, I'm going to get nothing out of this. Like, that's what I said inside me. And out of the blue, I suddenly sensed the voice of the Lord challenging me. Are you at church to hear from Bob, or are you at church to hear from me? Who knows when God asks you a question, you want to get the answer right. Okay? And I said, why, of course, Lord, I'm here to hear from you. You know, like, that's the right answer. I'm sure that's the right answer. We're all good so far. And then I heard, I felt that God say to me this. So then are you saying that I cannot speak to you, through your pastor's preaching. And I knew that I had been soundly told off in the best possible way. And I, I thank God for the teaching that grounded me in a strong one-on-one relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. That morning, my attitude was refreshed. Like, And it was interesting too, because actually that changed it from that point on for me. Never again did I find myself sitting in front of someone going, oh, this is going to be so boring. I always found myself going, okay, if I'm not loving this, then I'm not listening to the right person. Holy Ghost, what's what's the one thing you want to say to me today? I've got ears, and God, I know you can speak to me through anyone. It absolutely changed it for me. Things got straight for me. It was so helpful. I was fed. That feeding by the word of God enabled me to stay in that place of refreshing. So grateful. You know, as we come to a close this morning, uh, I think it's time for us to refresh our spiritual state this morning. You know, we talked about how with our phones sometimes or with our iPads or whatever, we, we sometimes we need to refresh our browser, reset it again. And I think it'll be a great opportunity we have a great opportunity this morning for us to refresh our spiritual state a little bit. So I'm going to ask the team to come up on the stage, and we're going to sing uh, Fresh Wind again all the way through. And he what I'd love you to do, I'd love you to just, just turn to God. You know, in Acts 3, when it talks about this whole thing of um, times of refreshing will come to you from the Lord, the precursor to that is that Peter says, turn to the Lord. And, you know, sometimes... If we're honest, we're just, we're not oriented to the Lord. We're oriented off on, an angle worry about this, thinking about this. We're focusing on this. Man, I am just the same as anybody else. And for me to get refreshed, it really does mean I've got to turn around. I, I love it when I push the browser on my phone, refresh the browser. The little arrow goes round and round and round. It kind of reminds me, Mike, make sure you turn around. Are you facing God? Are you turned towards God? So as we, as we sing this song again this morning, come on, let's get to it. As we sing this song again this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you, please, 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 don't just sing the song again. What I want you to do is from somewhere on the inside of you, wherever that spirit that is you dwells. As we sing, I, I want you to find a way to turn towards God. Turn towards God. You know, He loves you so much. Loves you so much. We need, to re- we need to refresh ourselves this morning. We need to be reset. As we sing, you know, we, we've learned that, that the Spirit fills us, tops us up to the top as we worship. As we do this morning, just lift your heart to the Lord. Lift your eyes to Him again. Lift your face to Him. Let's be refreshed this morning in the Spirit. Let Him remind you again of what it is you're here to do. Let him remind you again of his call on your life, of his purposes and plans for you. Let him remind you again of how much you mean.